Welcome to the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. We're coming to you every week to discuss topics for family protectors. We're about creating community for tactical dads and moms, doing the work to become better protectors and providers, and being force multipliers for good. So come on in, sit back, relax, and let's have some fun. Welcome back to another week of podcast from the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I think I already said that in the credits or the, the intro there. So, um, Let's see. It is Monday. Gosh. You know, the weeks keep going faster. And uh, before you know it, Christmas will be here, which means I'm in an amazingly happy mood. I love Christmas time. Uh, my kids are going bananas, right? Um, it's just a great time of year and I hope it is for you too. Um, so there was a, there was a post put on Instagram and it, it showed, um, basically a horrible reality of uh, a knife attack and, and what have, it's really graphic. Um, you can actually take a look at it on uh, the family man tactical, uh, Instagram account. It's, uh, under the highlights section on the profile there, um, called reality sucks and uh, you know you got to click a click a, a little thing that says I agree that I'm about to see disturbing content but for family protectors I think it's important um, now that we have all this technology we can capture um, all these different types of attacks and self-defense situations and we use that to our benefit not to dwell on you know horrific crime and all that kind of stuff but just to better protect the the ones we love um, and so anyway, to that end, I, I posted it on Instagram under that section and you can see it. And basically what it is, is uh, two guys are in a shoving match. There's a couple other parties there that are kind of not really, you know, kind of saying, hey, hey, you know, you can't hear any sound, but it looks like they're trying to kind of quasi break it up. And then, um, you know, the one guy's not taking no for an answer and he shoves the other guy a few more times and, and then, um, you know, that's guy A and guy B um, waits till he's really close. Obviously, uh, or not obviously, you got to see it first, but uh, surreptitiously enters a blade into the situation, takes a swipe at the guy's neck, and you can't really see what's going on until you take a look and you see all this blood splattering all over the ground. It's cascading out of this guy's neck. And again, I'm not trying to be super graphic. I hope. Um, you know, there's not kids around listening to this. I try to keep this a family program, but the topics we talk about, you know, uh, it's it's aimed at reality and self-defense. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, it, it's, and, and the guy immediately starts going into shock um, as he realizes, you know, he uh, can't put a tourniquet on your neck. Um, and so he's in some real trouble and bam, down he goes. And, um, you know, I, I don't know the, end result there but I'm pretty sure the guy dies um so anyway we're gonna take a look at that and and kind of discuss because I see a lot of stuff on social media um on you know there's a lot of on quote-unquote knife fighting experts out there and there's a lot of bs um that I kind of think that can get people killed now before I say that I spent many years um doing Filipino martial arts um especially with um, stick and edged weapons. So I'm familiar with um, what 
some martial arts put out there and, and their answer to edged and blunt weapons. And um, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything disparaging against the Filipino martial arts. Um, I just want to say I do have some perspective and experience there. Um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. Uh, I, I wanted to chat more about the difference between what a knife fight is and what a knife attack is and how likely we're able to see one versus the other and maybe what we should do as family protectors given the likelihood of one over the other. So I'd ask people, hey, can you can you really define what a knife fight is? You know, and, and you know, you're going to get a mixed bag of answers. Some say, well, you know, it's a, a knife fight's unrealistic because it's two dudes squaring off against each other with a short sword or a knife, and and that almost never happens. And I, I would agree with that. And some say, well, a knife fight's any time an edged weapon is involved, and I would also agree with that. Um, and then there's folks that say, well, not only do knife fights not exist, only knife attacks exist, really. Um, and I would also kind of agree with that too, uh, because anytime we're seeing footage of an, an edged weapon being involved, it's almost, I would say 99% of the time, it's an attack with, you know, a determined attacker going after somebody trying to, trying to um, aerate them, right? Um, so anyway, I, there was no right or wrong answer there. I, I just, you know, put that up. How do, how do we even define a knife fight um, and, and how it's attacked uh, versus a knife attack, right? Because you know, there's a lot of, again, a lot of BS out there. Um, and, and so the question is, family protector, do you carry a knife? You should. I mean, it's a valuable uh, survival tool. And uh, if you're opening boxes or what, I use a, a pocket knife in my day, daily life all the time. But it's not a, that pocket knife is on my multi-tool and it's not really aimed at fighting or self-defense. So the question is, do you carry a knife? Um, for self-defense purposes and in what scenario do you see yourself using that tool i mean um a lot of self-defense minded folks uh conceal carry right um a pistol um, and generally that would be your your go-to right because they're both deadly weapons and if you're going to use deadly force the firearm is way more effective um so there's there's that, but the the question still exists. Okay, what purpose, what context do you see yourself using it in, and do you carry it in the in the same spot? You know, and a couple items jump up. One, in in the area that I live in, um, the knife laws are really wacky. It's you know you're actually way better using a firearm in self defense than you would ever be using a knife in self defense. It'd be way easier to prove. Um, self-defense in a with a firearm in the aftermath than than using a a knife and that's not the purpose of this podcast i could go into that and speak volumes on it maybe we will at some point but you know how how we carry where i live um you know you can really only get away with um a fold, folding knife now the size of the folding knife really doesn't matter even though a lot of people think it does it doesn't it's that it's folding and fixed blades where i live no matter the size uh, really can't be concealed unless you're going hunting right and and you you can't just say well i'm you know out shopping at the local grocery store and i'm 
I'm going to be going, you know, you have to be able to prove that you're going hunting, right? Um, that's already been tried in, in uh, against um, an individual, against uh, the state police. Um, he claimed, well, I was going hunting. No, you weren't, and, uh, and he got in big trouble. Um, so anyway, how do you carry it? What do you carry? Is it in the same spot? And I say folding knives versus fixed blades because, look, if you're in a struggle, if you're in a, in a situation, it's hard enough to clear concealment um, without getting tangled up into your pistol. And that takes a lot of practice because adrenaline and craziness going on and, and stuff like that. How much harder is it to get in the middle of a struggle, right, where you're behind the power curve, get a, a folding blade out and, they, and there's folks that say hey you know i can i've got a um, assisted open knife or you know all sorts of stuff but the reality is if you've tried to ever do that under stress that can be hard and then so the next thing is well i would use a fixed blade they make these um clinch picks and and different things like that and they're you know i i would carry one if if i could if it was uh legal now you can own them here you just can't go around carrying them concealed. You'd have to open carry. Um, and that's just open carrying a clinch pick is just dumb. I'm sorry if anybody does that. I don't mean to offend you, but um, that's like saying, hey, grab me or, you know, look at me funny or draw attention to myself. So I wouldn't do that. Okay. Um, so anyway, those are, those are some things to think about. And how do, and I'm, I'm going to make a point here. Believe me, I will. <laughs> How do those things, you know, whether you're carrying a folding knife or you're carrying a fixed blade, how do they relate to the reality of a knife fight or a knife attack or however you define yourself getting into the mix and an edged weapon coming out, right? And, and the thought, there's got to be a connection. There's got to be congruency. Now, I'll give you an example. There's plenty on social, uh, social media. Um, there's plenty of folks that are really you know, into the tactical training thing. And then there's the gun bunnies, as they're called. Uh, but it, it's really just, um, I laugh, right? I, I don't know how I feel about the whole gun bunny thing because I take training um, very seriously. And we do like to have some fun, but I try to stay away from vanity when it comes to firearms, at least personal like human-based vanity we all st stare at a beautiful gun and say oh my gosh it's you know you're, you're in danger of worshiping it right um so there there's that but i'm talking about like when the gun bunnies they, they they're beautiful and you know they've got all these um you know firearms and edged weapons that aren't really practical um, and how they lay them out sometimes they look like they've stepped out of the matrix movies um by the way, I'm probably going to go see the, the new Matrix movie. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hate on that, but I'm going to see it. Um, I loved the first Matrix, so I don't know. It's like a car crash. Um, the second movie was okay. The third Matrix, I was like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. Um, but like a car accident, I'm going to have to watch it. So anyway, um, but yeah, they a lot of these gun bunnies, they, they put a lot of stuff up there and and look like they stepped out of a Matrix movie or Underworld or something like that. And it's like, you know, this is not reality. And, and the problem, and this is why I say I don't know how I feel about it. While I do love gun culture, I do love, um, you know, folks exercising their right to, to bear arms and, and 
all senses and stuff like that. And that's kind of a gratuitous celebration of that. The reality is you, there's some influence there for people that might not know or might uh, be wowed by the vanity portion and pick up some really bad habits. Case in point, there's there's uh, there's a person uh, uh, that, that does a lot of tactical training and, uh, and, and I borderline a gun bunny on, on social, but um, what she does is she's got all these like pointy attack weapons for, for hairdos and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's like, I get it that the idea is that it's in your hair and it's easy access in the middle of a struggle and stuff. But unless you carry yourself like that all the time, you know, and I guess that's the point I'm making is we haven't even gotten into the reality of, of entering a edged weapon or a poking tool into the situation. We're just talking about congruency. Most people carry in the same spot with their pistol at the same time because they know their presentation, um, getting on target and breaking that first shot in a self-defense situation is so very crucial. Why would we not look at edged weapons the same way, right? That's all I'm saying. So you, you see like, oh, well, today I'm wearing my hair up in a bun and, and I'm going to have this pokey tool in there, but tomorrow I'm wearing my hair down and I don't have any pokey tool or a different one. You know, and in the middle of a self-defense situation where you're potentially going to break this out and not your pistol, how are you going to go through the thought process? Another thought process to go through, hey, did I wear this today? Did I put this on? And and it's not just females, all right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, again, I don't want to disparage anybody. I'm just saying these are things that, that's why it lends me to believe that that's vanity and, and not practical um, self-defense uh, because practical self-defense is set up for the same use, the same way. And now, granted, I'm not talking about different gear setups for different family protector missions. I'm talking about your everyday carry, right? So there's that. And the same thing. I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. You know, sometimes I'm more inclined to, I know that I'm going to be working on one side of my body, so maybe I put my knife in my other pocket that day, you know, so to kind of pick on myself, right? That's something to think about is do we have this stuff set up the same way every time? And that's why I like the idea of the clinch pick. I just can't carry one legally. And uh, so I'm not gonna, right? But anyway, um, so there's there's that. All these thoughts go into the mix. And I just wanted to use that as kind of a primer as to why are we doing what we're doing? And how is it shaped by our perception on when and how an edged weapon comes into the fray? Okay. So let's jump into a little bit of perspective um, or reality on, on knife use, okay? If, again, I, I mentioned earlier, we've got so much footage of actual attacks with knives, edged weapons, blunt weapons, etc. There's a huge percentage of the murders every year that are happen with a blunt object like a hammer, right? Um, and, and, and just... You know, when it's something we got to take a look at and address, but I'm just always shocked at for something that is so very often present in an altercation. Why, why do we have such unrealistic, I don't know, solutions <laughs> for, for this? And I, I think is really because it's hard. I, I'll give it away up front. 
it is hard to pressure test what works with edged weapons. It's hard to create that situation. Okay, and we'll get into that here in, in a little bit. Because you're, you know, you can't really go around cutting each other just like you can't go around shooting each other in force on force. If you notice with um, pistol training and carbine training, most of it's on the square range. If it's not on the square range, it's, it's you know, competition uh, like you see out at, you know, you know and, and I think that's all good stuff, right? Because you, you're getting, you're, you're training the ability to move and shoot, moving from cover to cover, right? And, and shooting um, while you're moving is it's a necessary skill to have. But it almost, it's like 95% of the training stops there. And there's this 5% that go on to force on force training, which is using sim, sim munitions um, or, you know, that sort of thing, right? And that's really important because that's where, as far as firearms go, that's where you start to get really good. Um, now, you can replicate that with all sorts of stuff, and we can talk about that later. Um, but the point is, is force on force with a knife, you know, showing the reality of a knife attack that's hard to replicate okay so some of the realities harsh realities of the knife fighting or knife attack uh, or knife defense world is that one of the issues is it's super easy to conceal and there's no there's no threat of knives being registered currently um, just about anything can become turned into an edged weapon uh, just like in prison and they make their own shanks um, you can go out and get a kitchen knife you can go out and, you know it doesn't have to be a folding it the the criminal element can use many things that cut and poke they're just there's a never-ending supply right so that's that's a reality it's not like oh well a criminal has to go out and buy a, a firearm on the black market and there's supply and demand and can they fund that that purchase, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So there's at least some some gate that um, makes sure that not every person walking around that shouldn't have a weapon has one. Well, edge weapons, man, uh, like I said, it's a floodgate, right? Um, they have been, if you look at, at footage, um, all over uh, the internet there, um, knives get used for an intimidation tool and, and robberies where Hey, I don't have access to a gun, but I do have access to a knife, and I'm going to use it kind of as a standoff um, item uh, to rob folks. And that happens, right? So we're seeing that. I'm still looking. I'm going down my list here, and I, I really don't see two dudes squaring off at each other with knives. I just, I, I've reviewed a lot of footage. I'm sure most of the listeners have too. Um, I see it being used, the knife being used as an ambush weapon. You know, especially in, in um, the the example in the shoving match. You go check check that out on Instagram there. I mean, there was a shoving match. Um, the one individual did not expect a knife to come into play there, and it was done in such a surreptitious manner. Bam. It was almost like he was drawing him in. Like, oh, you think you're going to shove me around? You think you're going to manhandle me? Oh, bam, guess what? There's a waterfall of blood coming out of your neck. You know, that's that's an ambush right there. Um, you know, and, and the same thing with, um, 
you know, there's a reality of folks using it, and we were kind of talking about that before, as a rescue tool. Like, oh, hey, I'm a concealed carry individual. I, I would almost, I would prefer not to ever have to use a pokey tool, um, but if I ever got locked in a clinch and I was unable to, for some reason, my gun was disabled or whatever, I, I feel in my mind that I could get to this pokey tool and cut my way to safety. Now, how, real, how realistic that is, I'm not sure, because I haven't had to do that. I know there's plenty of soldiers that carry pokey tools, but they're more likely, if they're clearing houses and, and rooms, to go hands-on, and they have a carbine attached to them, and it's much different, right? So there's that. But again, I'm looking for where do we see two dudes squaring off um, in a knife fight? So it's important to ask that because, look, you see a lot of stuff out there for knife defense with the Filipino martial arts. Again, I'm not disparaging Filipino martial arts. I, I put my time in in that art. I really did. Um, but a lot of the training is box drills with two folks going back and forth with um, a stick, knife, uh, short sword, etc. And, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll get into what I think about that here in a minute. But again, where do we see that replicated in the real world? Right? Not anymore. Not in the U.S. anyway. Um, and that's important because look at the ranges of... Um, a fight that happened with, I say a fight, an attack that happens with a knife. Um, you have your outside, your long range, right? Um, that folks use that. And we have footage to prove it, lots of footage, as an intimidation tool or a standoff tool um, when, they're, when they're being tracked down by law enforcement, right? And there's always that warning of a charge, right? So that you've, you've got long range. And then you've got trapping range. And, and we see this for brief seconds in um, knife attack footage. But you have trapping range where the individual that's rushing in with a knife, if it's seen up front, if it's seen in the beginning, they're rushing in and they're trying to tie up with their check hand, that's their empty hand where they don't have a weapon, they're trying to tie up the other individual's appendages so that they can just go ahead and start um, running a, a sewing machine operation on, on their body, right? And, and they start poking them repeatedly. That's trapping range there. And then inside the clinch where, where both individuals are hugged up, right? We've seen lots of that. And again, this goes back into, for a brief moment in time, um, you know, they're, they're wrapped up in the clinch, and then the individual starts getting ventilated with, with a knife, right? And they 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 end up chasing the blade, right? They and and they're no longer they're really not in the clinch. They're just being held um, by a knife attacker as they're getting poked repeatedly, trying to chase this blade around their body, right? So that's that's a quick and dirty <laughs> analysis of what we see footage wise for knife attacks, right? The the long range, the trapping range and then inside the clinch and it gets progressively ugly as it gets in close there to the point where the person the defender is just chasing this blade around as they're watching themselves be um, really just cut up so we've got uh we've got the idea of actual knife fights pretty much negated as far as reality i did see <laughs> very rare i saw footage um, when i was doing some research on this 
and I saw footage of two folks where I believe they were in a South American country, Central or South America, and they were squaring off with some long knives, and they had them in a reverse grip, and a reverse grip is just, you know, the knife is pointed down, right? And they're stabbing at each other um, in, uh, in some broader range, which is just kind of a medium range. And, and they're stabbing at each other, and this goes on for a couple minutes, um, a couple nicks here and there, and then all of a sudden, one of the dudes lands a good stab into an individual's chest, right? Now remember, we our chest cage, our, our rib cage there in our chest is set up like that for a reason. It's armor. It's not supposed to let pokey things through as easily, right? But he got he got him good. And he got him to the point where um, you know there's an immediate um, flow of blood coming out, and the guy went into shock right away, um, and it stopped. And it was more ceremonial, right? It wasn't as soon as something life threatening happened, the attacker didn't, or the guy that landed the good strike didn't keep on him trying to cause death. It was separated, boom, okay, we've seen our, our bloodlust here, the duel as it was, or whatever this thing was, um, was stopped. It was almost like a contest. And so and so they, they pulled this guy aside and he you know, started rendering aid and stuff like that. That's it. I don't see a lot of knife-on-knife knife, uh, stuff out there, so I think I made my point. Now, in the Filipino martial arts, I said I'd come back to that. I, I think that folks turn to the Filipino martial arts here in the U.S. as the solution to all things um, knife. Now, this is this is what I'm going to use for knife defense. I'm now, um, you know, a knife fighter, etc. And you know, so you you have training in uh, with sticks and marpamano, knives and sombrata, and then hubud for both. And those are just uh, I was taught that those are are just ranges, right? Long range, medium range, and, and close range there. And I think it's important to train those. I really do. I think you learn excellent timing, coordination, and God forbid you ever do end up in that situation, you'll have um, a skill set that'll put you above someone else. However, that's not the whole slice of the pie. And this wasn't meant to go into the Filipino martial arts. Again, I have much love for the Filipino martial arts. I love the congruency between the empty hand techniques and the, the edged weapons there. Um, and I will continue to train Filipino martial arts, um, hopefully into my 90s, right? Um, and I, I don't, I'm not going to go out there and say, hey, there's Filipino martial arts artists that can't do amazing things um, in an unarmed capacity, for sure. I mean, look at Dan Inasano. Can you imagine that guy? I mean, even at his older age, I, I don't know where he's at and what he's doing now, but even 10 years ago, right? Um, that guy's such a master, but we're talking a master level, right? And really outside of my lane, because I'm not a master in the Filipino martial arts. But I do know training folks, the average dad, the average mom, I have done that in uh, combatives, and I have done that with edge weapons. The, the issue there is how do you bring them to a point with the Filipino martial arts um, and, and doing all these techniques and the, the, the different strikes and all that kind of stuff, how do you bring them to the point where they can defend against somebody who's rushing in, 
and trying to is a very determined attacker and poke them over and over and over again right is is Filipino martial arts the best way to to train them no it's it's more so if you have a weapon right is the best way to do that um, that'll it'll be effective for them. so again I, I think Filipino martial arts this is just my opinion if, if you're like hey I'm so FMA that man Chris I don't even know that I can listen to you anymore after your opinion on this I'm cool with that <laughs> hopefully that's not the case hopefully we can just disagree um, and, and move on right but I have lots of love for FMA um, again excellent attribute development with sticks and knives application if you're ever going to use them whether the person is posing a deadly threat with another edged weapon or whether they're a deadly threat without an edged weapon. I think it has merit there to the point where I still I still agree that you should train that. Um, but we still have to address how do we handle the realities of a knife fight? What do we do? Okay, if, if, if this art that is a knife art, a stick art, great martial arts can't really address um, the realities of prison style knife attacks or knives getting entered into the fray um, you know in a surprise fashion in the clinch what do we do well I'm gonna tell you <laughs> okay so obviously with the example above um, with the shoving uh, situation that turned into a, um, a wannabe beheading right the first option was just to walk away to stop shoving this guy I, I didn't get the impression from the video after the first shove that if he would have backed up that the guy would have come at him with a knife. That was not my impression. I could be wrong. But if you go hands-on with somebody, you better be sure. You know, you, you really better be sure that they're not going to enter a weapon into the situation. And you can't be sure of that. You can't. You know, we live in a world where folks, at least in the U.S., folks rely on there being some fear of going to jail what if that goes away what if the fear of going to jail is not there now you have two choices really walk away or death that's it there's there's no other in between and and that's where relying on the fear of going the opposing party going to jail as what they won't do I don't believe in allowing that to exist now, that's why I'm saying you really have two options. You have the, the option of walking away or being ready to go to death. And that's, that's how I think we need to first and foremost address edged weapons. Look, any situation from road rage, I've, I've watched guys that I know who've trained very well not be able to control their actions on the road. And trust me, I went through my time where, um, you know, I really had to sit and think about how I conduct myself on the road when I get ticked, right? When you flip somebody the bird, that's, that's saying, hey, come fight me, right? And we can be egotistical and say, well, if they get out of their car, then that's on them. But we just entered, that just let somebody know, hey, I'm down to fight. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing. And I, look, as I became... Um, as my spirit, spiritual self um, became a little bit more fleshed out 
and I started putting away some of the, the childish behavior um, as I got deeper into Christianity, um, you know, some of that stuff just had to go away, right? But looking at that outside of morality, I'm saying, dude, that's just an invitation to fight. And I've watched tough dudes sit there and not be able to control themselves when somebody cuts them off and, you know, flip a gesture or start yelling or whatever. And that is, that's an invitation. And you see that on the road and you also see that out with, with people um, in crowds, right? They've got this audience and that goes into a whole different dynamic that I'm not trying to address here, but how we conduct ourselves says, hey, I'd like to fight to the death. Um, or, you know what, man? Life is tough enough. You be you. Now, there are some things we all have to find that line, what we're willing to walk away from. But I guarantee you, there's a lot that we can walk away from. Ask me how I know. You know? Um, I just feel like there's, not feel, I know that in life I've been kind of a crap magnet. And there is some stuff that I wish I would have walked away from that by the grace of God, I was not taught the lesson I, I deserve, right? And that's a story for another time, and I'm so happy to share that. Um, you can be 100% right and still be 100% dead. You know. And for the folks that are like, well, I'd rather be dead than, than wrong. Well, that's dumb. You and I both know that's dumb. So, all right, so there's the walk away option again. I think I beat that dead horse. Um, there's another option too. Folks that train in the capacity of um, red zone knife defense. Now Jerry Wetzel, uh, he he was uh, I believe he was a Paul Vunak guy. But what he did is he um, he took knife defense to the next level because he saw a lot of the the gaps in um, addressing realistic knife attacks he took that into um, an awesome program and i can't recommend it enough you can still to this day go get it it's a two dvd set they show they actually show them fleshing out the system through the dvd set the first dvd set was good it kind of teaches you the basics of the program how to deal with a you know when you have an unarmed a knife defense moment and it's great. And in the in the second disc, they they go ahead and um, address some of the evolution of their program. And I'm telling you, it's simple. I mean, seriously, they go from a safe entry with uh, uh, very similar to Tony Blower's um, spear method to um, controlling uh, the weapon bearing arm, which most folks are are familiar with that have been in any site uh, any type of knife defense. Uh, training and with an extreme amount of pressure throwing um, the attacker off balance um, never stopping that pressure and kind of a violent ending so essentially you have the, the entry um, the violence of action and then neutralizing um, and getting away right and I can tell you what's cool about it is you can actually pressure test it you can pressure test it to the point where you can beat on each other as much as you want and you lose if that knife touches you if that knife touches you throughout this whole process you lose and you can you can amp up the training as much as you want um, and that's what's cool about it that's what's that's why jiu-jitsu that's why brazilian jiu-jitsu is so effective aside from the fact that 
science, okay, but people can get good at it. Why? And they're not turning out McDojo people like some other arts because you can actually pressure test it. And that gets me excited. I'm sure you can tell in my voice. You can pressure test it. Man, I've had bloody noses. I've had bruises and all that kind of stuff from going full bore in Red Zone Knife Defense in that program. Um, and, and because of life and all that kind of stuff, I don't train that stuff as much as I, as I should. So a lot of times I'm going through this stuff solo. But I can tell you I've put in the time with it and I'd recommend it. Now there's other programs like it out there. So you can look it up. I'm sure there's some clips. If you can find a program that addresses unarmed knife defense, obviously it's the last option that you'd ever want to go to is, you know, you're taking a calculated risk there, but there's got to be situations out there where you're being ambushed with a knife where you've already been poked once or twice and you have to stop it now. How do you, how do you get to the point where you're not chasing the blade around your body, but you can stop the threat now? and mitigate the damage that's been done to you. I know it's not the most popular topic to talk about because it's not very sexy, if you will. It's not. You're, you're getting beat up. You're, you're getting frustrated. You're, it's not pretty. It, it looks like a scrum, right? But if you can learn to safely find an index point on somebody that's trying to attack you with a knife, coming in a determined attacker, not somebody that's going to hang out and flip their blade at you to simulate some sort of training, but actually come in and, and try to take a training knife and jab it into you. Can you find a safe index point? Can you use that index point to control the bearing arm, um, the weapon bearing arm? What if they switch? What if in the struggle they switch hands? Can you Can you transition? right away to that other arm and keep that pressure on and take them down, right? And that's all those things that, that Red Zone um, addresses. Look, they're not the only program out there, um, but those are some things that you need to be looking for as opposed to just these box drills where you're learning to maybe do a tonsil from, from Wing Chun and redirect the knife, okay? That's if somebody is doing a U-drill with you, right? And, and you can look up a tonsil on YouTube or, or whatever, and the U-drill, okay? And that's if somebody is um, training with you and perfectly feeding you that U-drill, okay? But what if it's choppy and, and knives move really fast when somebody's jabbing at you with it, okay? Can you catch a jab? If you can't catch a jab, you're not going to be able to catch a knife, right? You have to look elsewhere, and that's what Red Zone does. So th again, there's other programs out there that address um, unarmed knife defense. I think it's something that just because it's not sexy, that we shouldn't, as family protectors, look into and chase the chase the journey down that road. Because look, you can't always get to your pistol before somebody's on top of you. How many times are you in a store and you realize somebody's way too close to you? You're not pulling your gun on them. You don't know their intent, right? They're just trying to grab the cornflakes next to you, and they got way too close to you. And if they use that as a ruse to attack you, as far-fetched as that is, I mean, I'm not suggesting you go around on alert uh, <laughs> level uh, orange, okay, all the time in the grocery store. But what I'm saying is how many times do we show just how easy we are to attack by letting people inside of our or close circle. And if somebody decided to present a weapon, can we control it?
can we mitigate the situation? That's all I'm saying. So yeah, kind of a long-winded chat here. Um, again, we, we went through how people, you know, define the knife attack versus knife fighting, what it is, you know, how do you carry that? I mean, these are things to ask yourself and talk about, why am I doing the things I'm doing and what is it based on, right? Um, realistic, the realistic use of knives. When we get to see that in all this footage, we have all this footage available for us to take a look at and actually break down the ranges and how the knife changes use. It's how it goes from being a standoff tool um, if presented in long range to being used as a as a surreptitious tool to enter into the fray um, up in the clinch. You know, that's how we see that stuff and, and how other martial arts just really don't address those style of attacks. Again, not to disparage different martial arts. Like I, I picked on Filipino martial arts, honestly, because I love that art and I think it stands up the best um, with the transfer of unarmed skills to weapons. There's so much congruency in there. I just think that there are some things that we've developed in the U.S. Um, that are some really good programs that get folks who don't have a lot of experience in the Filipino martial arts, get folks to learn to fight in the clinch and control a weapon better than maybe some of the Huba drills, right? Um, and again, I still think you should learn all those things. Um, I won't address the martial arts that are just BS. I won't, because there's no point in it. If I didn't list um, a martial art there, it's because I don't know enough about it, or I just think it's such crap that I won't even enter into an argument about it. Um, so again, much love for the Filipino martial arts. I'm a practitioner. Um, that will never change. I just think that there's some programs out there that get folks addressing the knife threat uh, for what it is. So, hey, I'd love to hear what you think. Again, if, if you think that, hey, man, you know, Chris, you're really missing something here, let me know. I'm an open book, man. I really have no delusions of grandeur. I'm not a knife expert. Um, again, I, I spent some time. I know, I know the drills. I know the both sides of the fence there. Um, I am seeking out more knowledge on as I'm as I'm looking to get deeper and deeper into ground fighting because uh, that's somewhere where I lack. Again, I'm I'm like a two trick pony on the ground, <laughs> and, and I try to and I'm trying to really turn that into a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten trick pony um, on the ground. I also am aware of. Um, the fact that when you go to the ground, there's also the potential that weapons exist. So I have training mentors in my life that are teaching me more about that. Um, and I hope to kind of discuss that more as, as I learn more, right? Because look, we're all on this journey together. We want to better protect and provide for our families in hard times. It's easy to protect um, in good times. It's easy to provide for in good times. When you're making a million dollars a year and you're Expenses are only uh, 100000 right? Um, but what about when times are tough? Can you provide for your family? Can you help your family survive? Same thing goes, um, you know, a bunch of 90-pound weaklings running around trying to cause crap with me, I can handle. What about the, the, uh, the big meth head that attacks me with my family, right? Those are the 
the hard situations that I'm trying to get uh, better prepared for. Um, at the same time, still enjoy time with my family, enjoy time with you guys on social and, and through the podcast. Um, so again, as we go into closing out the new year, or closing out this year and go into the new year, uh, I know we've got a lot um, a lot on the docket. Uh, there's, there's quite a few guests um, that I'd like to bring on the show to talk about all this family protector stuff, um, get some different perspectives that keep me in balance, keep me in check, right? <laughs> My thoughts on all things protection um, are not the end all be all. Um, so I'd love to bring in some different points of view, uh, go from there. Hey, so we're well over the 40 minute mark. I thought this was gonna be like a 20 minute podcast, but who cares? You know, I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun. Um, look, it's only Monday and it feels like it should be Friday. So if you're in the same boat, <laughs> go over to social and give me a thumbs up on this post. Um, yeah. And, and just so you know, our social, um, family man tactical at both Facebook and Instagram are in the show notes. Um, I really appreciate if you sign up for our um, digital magazine also in the show notes. Um, that way we can uh, stay connected if uh, big bad uh, media tech um, decides to shut us down and we can still stay in contact and look for our website to be launched. All good things coming up. Hey, look, we got a long week ahead of us. God bless you. Stay in the fight. Do good work. Build community. And uh, be a force multiplier for good. Talk to you soon. God bless you.